Welcome to Bored Women, a podcast that explores the world of women and confidence through the lens of board sports. This is about finding time for you and reconnecting with the joy and adventure in your life. I'm the founder, Caroline Keylock, and I'll be speaking to women in their 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond who are pushing the boundaries of what their bodies can achieve. We'll also feature confidence coaches who can help us break down our fears and perimenopause experts to dig into our changing bodies and minds. A lot of women who are now in their 40s or 50s or 60s, as we see, suddenly women get this permission to actually try things. It's the first Bored Women episode, and I'm so excited to be talking to the brilliant Valeria Gogonskaya, founder of The Longboard Camp. Valeria first came to my attention when a homemade film of her dancing on a longboard went viral. It reached 13 million people around the world. Fast forward four years, and the camp's globally renowned, as is she. Welcome to the Board Women podcast. It's super lovely to have you as a guest. Um, just for a bit of context for anyone listening, we met when I came to the longboard camp earlier this year, and I was obviously very keen to learn how to longboard dance, which is what we'll talk about today. I can't wait to get into it with you, but we have this opening question that we're going to ask everyone who comes on the podcast. So my question is, when did you last fall? Um. When did I last fall? I mean, I've been skating now for eight years and I cannot recall a session without falling. And actually what I've seen also in the camps, falling once uh, really removes the pressure of all the next falls because most of the times you just realize that it's not as um, kind of big of a trap. As you imagine, we, we got to be honest here, there are just very unfortunate falls where, you know, you can get injured, but those are rather, from what I've noticed, those are rather exceptional rather than uh, co- commonplace, especially when you are, st- when you are skating uh, and receiving guidance. So when you are when you have somebody teaching you and walking next to you, I think it significantly minimizes the amount of falls. Absolutely. I kind of see falls now as something I'm almost a bit proud of because it means that I pushed mm. myself harder that day. When I haven't fallen in a while, I'm probably coasting a bit. And I'd love to hear about your journey in longboard dancing, but perhaps we could start with you explaining what longboard dancing even is for people who might be listening to this and not familiar. It's a very niche, a bit kind of quirky sport, uh, which is very young. It's the marriage of longboard surfing and freestyle skateboarding. So where we we take the steps that come from longboard surfing uh, and then we take tricks uh, from uh, yeah, from street skating. If we think of Rodney Mullen, and we are married those, and then I see that at this moment there is also this dance element that is becoming more and more visible, where we are uh, including a lot more the upper body expression, where we are looking into adding musicality to it. So it's like a, it's a beautiful fusion of all these things and. Uh, I've been in this for now for eight years and it's, I feel like because it's so young, 
Also, you know, the change happens very drastically. Like you can see these like big steps uh, and it's very interesting to, to look how it's evolving still. You spoke in one of your interviews about this moment at the camps and I 100% know what you mean when you describe this moment. Mm -hmm. but you talk about this moment of flow where everyone is feeling the pure joy and you've just got music on and everyone's dancing and they've found their groove mm. a little bit. Can you tell me about that? Because it's obviously an emotional moment for you. I think actually the key word here is feeling because often we spend so much time in our heads uh, analyzing, being scared, wondering what if, what uh, could. And I feel like this feeling of flow is just, is when you are really just listening to the music and there is, I'm, 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 I'm now with my eyes closed and I like to let my moves unfold. There is no like abruptness or rush to them. There is no need to kind of impress or perform. There are pauses and there is space for the movement. It's just very, I would even use the word sensual, actually. It's just, I would say it's just lightness, the place of no, no expectation, uh, a place of just being in the moment. For me, it has very feminine energy about it very flowy smooth sweet yeah this is uh, this is my flow state right now it's so underestimated that flow isn't it and how important mm. it is for us to experience it so obviously you now run this very successful longboard camp and that exists online, it exists in real life. Can you tell us the story of how it came to life and the journey you've gone through with it? Uh, there, is this, there is this quote that uh, I really like and it says something like, we teach best what we need to learn the most. And I think it actually describes uh, a bit my journey with it. Because when I when I started skating, I mean, I started it back when I was still in Finland and then I moved to Portugal and here there was no community. So uh, I was very eager and passionate about longboard dancing, but I didn't have anyone to learn from or to hang out with. Um, some years ago, actually, um, online space also didn't offer a lot of, you know, videos or tutorials. And uh, I also didn't have a lot of opportunity to travel back then. So, but I really, you know how like having someone to skate with and to explain you like propels you so fast, having someone uh, to share the experience really helps you to progress faster. Absolutely. And uh, I really, and I was really missing that. So it was, I, I'm joking that it was kind of this selfish, uh, <laughs> selfish <laughs> desire just to learn myself and to progress uh, that brought me to the idea. I was working back then in the surf camp and uh, I was like, okay, if there is a surf camp, maybe there can be a longboard camp. And then if I cannot travel, then I can bring instructors here. And I'm sure there will be other people who would also be interested in that. And then, uh, and the rest is history. I think skating has this really interesting learning journey where it's just not linear. You have to find your own pathway mm. through it and keep deciding how you're going to learn. How, how have you taken on that different pathway of learning? Like, how is it different in your camps, do you feel? What has been very different is kind of the emotional climate 
atmosphere that we have been able to create that makes people feel safe and less hard on themselves and these group dynamics where people watch each other, where people cheer each other. I think altogether it creates a very fertile space to learn. Absolutely. I remember when I came and you had kind of a opening circle to invite everyone in and everyone talked about what mm. they wanted to get out of the experience. And then I remember the closing circle and I remember how emotional everyone was because we'd all been on this <laughs> real journey mm. together and it was just lovely. Okay, and I, I can imagine how that must feel for you observing this kind of magical entity that's come to life and evolved with you mm. and for you. Yeah, I think there is something uh, thanks to the people who are part of the team. And also somehow we are super lucky with people who join us on the camps like they have like we have so many nice people coming and I, I feel like this experience just is very human like kind of I always joke that longboarding is kind of an excuse that brings us together to have this very beautiful human experience because it brings so much in us you know um, and I'm speaking and I'm having goosebumps uh, uh, I 100% agree. <laughs> that weekend, I think it felt like it was maybe the start of an unusual shift for you guys in the sense that we had so many participants in that weekend group who were above 40 and there were 50s mm. and I think one who was almost 60. And that's obviously something mm. that you've seen that's growing. Tell us a bit about how you feel about seeing that and experiencing that. It's it's funny because today I, I went in the morning to have yoga class in the camp. And um, after the yoga class, there is this woman who comes to me to in, to present herself. And she's like, I'm 63. I am a therapist who whose um, who's kind of whose main thing is working with inner child. And I just felt this calling of the, my inner child to come to this place. And just to have fun. And she brought along with her a friend who is, I think, 62. So they are like two friends, 63 and 62, who came to do the longboard camp. And she she was saying it with such a, a happy smile. And for me, seeing this is, um, I don't know, it's it's groundbreaking because I think it, it shows that I think we are just breaking a lot of stereotypes about, uh, you know, uh, what are kind of what are the rules of life, what are the rules of aging, our perception of health, health and longe longevity. And I think kind of one person participating uh, frees the way for many others to participate and uh, launches this uh, kind of trend. Them allowing themselves to do something which is uh, not usual, they really make it more commonplace. And I think your project is also a good example of this. Absolutely. I think there's such, a, such an element of if you don't see other people doing it, you don't feel like that's perhaps possible for you. But as soon as you start seeing someone mm -hmm. do it, it just makes you question, actually, I'd rule that out, but maybe that is something that I could try and I could get something out of. Mm -hmm. You said this really lovely quote in another interview, and I wrote it down because you said that, I feel that skating, especially for women, has been like a childhood dream or taboo that is now finally possible. And I'm just wondering, what's your impression of why it's growing for this age group? You know, what's changed? 
first of all, we have a lot more role models. You are already a, a role model, you know, you're a role model for other women, you're a role model for your children. And uh, I think this is just what's, uh, what's happening, because I feel like me, uh, I did like I still got a lot of that, you know, you are a, a girl kind of thing. So, you know, you should be doing this or that or shouldn't be doing this or that. But it was not so present in my life. But I feel like if we take uh, even somebody who is 10 years older, I think that narrative was much more present. So we have a lot of uh, women who are now in their 40s or 50s or 60s, as we see, who saw, saw skateboarding or maybe any other sport and were intrigued by it. But the narrative of their time was like, okay, no, you cannot do it or you shouldn't be doing it or it's not correct to be doing it. So they had to kind of maybe suppress uh, that desire to try and uh, because it also takes a lot of courage, you know, to go against these narratives of the society. Now, as we are speaking more, you know, we had the third wave of feminism, like social media is playing a huge role in uh, giving us exposure. So suddenly women uh, get this permission to actually try things. It's so interesting that you talked about being, you know, a role model for your kids and so many of the women that I speak to who are starting these sports, you know, in later life, they talk about this seminal moment of realising they just didn't want to be on the sidelines watching their children have fun. Mm. They wanted to have fun too. Mm. And I I always joke with my son that um, I'm going to be surfing when I'm 120 and that's my ultimate goal in life <laughs> is just to keep moving and be in the water and, and be doing that. And he's always like, Mom, just can you just be a bit more normal, please? But I'm so glad that perhaps <laughs> normal is changing. I think it's really important. Mm. Do you feel like uh, also that affects uh, the way kids are brought up today? It's really interesting. Um I, th I think at times, because we're still from the generation that we saw parenting happen in a certain way, and I think we're breaking a lot of the rules of how parenting happened, mm. there's this balance. And I know it's true for many of the other women that I've spoken to, where we are suddenly reclaiming our own interests and our own bodies and how mm. we feel about ourselves. But we still carry lots of guilt of how much time you should be spending with your kids and how present you should be. And when you get an interest in one of these sports, it's, as you know, quite addictive and you want to go and do it whenever you can. <laughs> so when you can do that with your kids, that's brilliant and it's a different level. And I know that my kids admire that I'm into this sport, mm -hmm. but there's also times when they're saying, are you going skating again? Could you, <laughs> could we do this instead? <laughs> so there is, there is a definite guilt associated with reclaiming your time as much as mm. actually wanting to spend time with your kids and inspire them. So it's a difficult balance, I think. I feel like we're in this moment of transition. Whenever I talk to women about, you know, their appetite for getting into these sports, confidence is definitely at the root to blockers that they have. So, you know, they might say, oh, no, I'm too old or I'm too clumsy. That's not really for me, etc." And if they do try, then that opens up so many doors for them. 
And I just wonder for you, have you had stumbling blocks when it comes to confidence, you know, whether when you were first setting up the camp or when you go and do competitions? And how do you overcome those stumbling blocks when they appear? I think maybe earlier in my journey, I was, when it came to any sort of negative emotions, be it, be it like insecurity or fear and negative kind of, you know, uh, how do you call the quote in quotes? Um, it would be kind of, okay, I need to do something to remove those feelings, like uh, of what to be afraid of, you know, let's go, kind of uh, trying to bypass them. Uh, but I feel like right now I'm in this stage where I'm more welcoming to these kind of feelings and emotions of, you know, feeling insecure, feeling imposter syndrome, feeling uh, uh, I'm lacking something I could do better, feeling like, I don't know, being scared of making a fool of myself. I, f I feel like... Right now, if I was talking to my younger self, I would be like, just welcome, welcome it because it is like all this lack of confidence, it is a part of it. So kind of trying to fight it or to minimize it is like, I think is a little bit like lying to yourself because it's just, you know, it's how our uh, body works, how our instincts works, how, uh, how it works as as being a part of the society, you know, where we don't want to make fools of ourselves. So of I, I feel like this questioning is a constant part of the journey. Actually, just embracing it and giving it space is uh, maybe the best way to 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 work with it. it it's such a learning process, even that, though, I think, mm -hmm. because as we get older, we like being good at things, you know, we're practiced in most things that we do. And we become worse at embracing new experiences, not feeling familiar, you know, I think, you know, we've mm -hmm. all probably got parents who are like, why are they so stuck in their ways? But it's because you realize you accumulate experience. And with that comes confidence. And it's difficult mm -hmm. to embrace the new in many ways. And these sports for me represent the ultimate learning in that that every day every move every time you try something different you have to be in that mindset of just being open to it and embracing it and as you say leaning into the feelings that come with that exactly and also i feel like um often we forget about this time component is that um, and it's interesting. I already had this conversation a few times where on one hand, we often downplay, our, downplay ourselves where we'll be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm clumsy. I'm, uh, I don't know, like I have a good balance. I'm too old and, and all, all of that. And I feel like sometimes it's just because we are scared to take responsibility for trying be like, actually, I will... To say, like, actually, maybe I will not be so bad at it, you know, uh, and and because when you set the expectation very low, we are kind of protecting ourselves uh, from failing in front of ourselves and others. Um, but when we are just like, OK, uh, you know, I actually may try and even be good at it or I tried and I am fine, uh, like I'm doing fine. 
Yeah, I think us just not being scared to take the responsibility to give ourselves praise without uh, setting too much expectations. And also, I, I, I also feel like sometimes we are taking ourselves too seriously and we are expecting mm-hmm. too much of ourselves, you know, while if we allow ourselves actually to be fools, to be ordinary, not to... Mm, we will stop expecting excellence from ourselves and be like, you know, actually, I'm just an average person trying something new and actually nobody cares, <laughs> you know, about it. <laughs> and I think this allowance, um, allowing yourself to be ordinary, um, to fail, uh, very liberating and also something that I have been uh, trying to to practice i think in more esoteric or spiritual terms is just kind of having a bit less ego <laughs> when we are doing things <laughs> when mm. we last spoke we t- talked a lot about not rushing so much and your goals mm-hmm. at the moment to rush a little less can we talk a bit about that and where you are yeah there was two years ago there was this moment where i was i smell i smell i smelled burnt <laughs> you know like i was like okay <laughs> if i continue in this way i will i will have a burnout and uh, i had like this on one shooting uh i just had this it was not a heart attack but i felt like then like knives went into my heart and I was like, whoa, I'm 29 and I'm having like this weirdest sensation in my body. Something is not, is not good here. And then it kind of forced me to look at my life and be like, but are, are you enjoying this? Like, are you, are you happy? Are you content? Because so many things were happening, a lot of commercial partnerships, the camps were uh, running, um, and uh, I don't know, there were like just a lot of events, a lot of noise, a lot of trips, a lot of, yeah, a lot of everything. But everything was kind of just rocketing by in front of my eyes without me even having time to understand what's happening, of acknowledging it, of celebrating it, of tasting it. So in the end, you are just constantly on that run you know um i would compare it you know taking a highway and uh, it all just becomes very monotonous like you go very fast but it's very monotonous you're not seeing anything or you're doing like a road trip by the coast where you're like okay i will stay by this beach i will watch the sunset i will have a coffee here so i just noticed that i was not present in my life and that i was physically just drained and exhausted and uh, then I was like yeah uh, I I didn't have time for people in my life that I kind of started to feel lonely and uh, yeah it was just kind of a check-in with myself and from that I started to move in the direction of being just more present more conscious of choosing better setting my priorities uh, asking myself like to, am I liking what I'm doing, you know, not just taking it because there is opportunity to do that. Uh, and right now I have much less things happening, but they are they're just all much more fulfilling and aligned. And there is so much more rest and just joy in simple things. 
it's like I like this idea of not adding or but rather removing things from the agenda. At least that's where I, I am uh, now. I love the idea of removing. It sounds very cathartic. Um, one of the things mm. when we spoke, you said you were having a social media break. Is that something that you've managed mm. to keep up? And how, how does that work, given that you have a business that obviously depends on social media to a large degree? Yeah, with social media, I think just social media for me re represents a lot like kind of the external world, you know, our external appearance in this world. And uh, just because I was so focused on my internal processes, you know, of on that quest of who I am, or why, you know, I'm feeling this or that. Uh, also looking at my relationship with myself and with my partner. Um, yeah, just the focus was on me and I didn't want to kind of scatter it and spend my time and energy on on social media because it does take a lot of time and energy. So it was just a conscious decision to dedicate time to me, myself and I, you know. Um, and, uh, I think also just to fill up my, my tank, you know, my, uh, to really concentrate my energy inside. And then um, now it was like one and a half month break. And I started to feel, once I started to feel better and more nourished, I started to have like a natural impulse to, to share, uh, to also to interact with other people's content to receive information. So I think it just came kind of uh, as natural listening to my needs, this uh, social media break. But I would like to still, like now I'm finding myself again in the loop of this automatic scrolling, of opening the app when I don't need it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure you know this like love and hate relationship with uh, social media. So right now I'm just trying to figure out how to how to create my own rules with social media, kind of how to make it my game. It's difficult, isn't it? Because sometimes it holds a lot of inspiration and opportunity to mm. connect. But as you say, when it becomes this mindless activity that suddenly disconnects you from your life, then you question it, but it's it's very hard balance. I think there's I don't think there's anyone mm. who's really got that balance quite right. <laughs> How has skating helped as you've gone through that period of refocusing on yourself and what's important to you? Has your relationship with skating changed? For me right now, skate like what I enjoy in skating right now is that I have I'm at a stage where I just don't have any expectation. I hear a song that I like and then I would just take a board and flow and allow it be whatever whatever it is and it's just been very very joyful. I think my skating is all is actually just reflecting the stage of life where I am uh, and in this stage like I'm not searching for kind of uh, perseverance or determination or fighting or like uh, you know like this kind of masculine energy um, I'm actually like if 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 it makes me stressed or struggling I actually right now I just don't want it because this is not where 
where I am. I know that this is maybe like this is not the common scenario and narrative in uh, in sports because we always celebrate this. You know, like you got to push hard and fall and stand up. Uh, but uh, I, I'm I'm finding beauty in actually doing it very very lightly and very gently and not demanding a lot a lot of myself right now. So uh, skating is just uh, when it happens, it's just a good happy moment of flow and expression. That's it. Oh, that sounds lovely. For anyone listening, we'll add to the show notes the links to Valeria's beautiful, beautiful imagery and mm-hmm. films of skating. Because I think when you talk about being in flow and being very natural with your steps, I think it's it's hard to imagine via this medium quite how beautiful that can appear. And I have such envy yeah. of the energy and grace <laughs> that you bring to it because mine is definitely not there yet. It will be there one day, I hope. <laughs> I think maybe uh, like also a kind of a good way to look at it would be is not that the um, you are serving the activity what you are doing, but you let also the uh, the activity serving you in a sense that you know you kind of make it your friend. If on one day you feel like you are all fire, like okay, then skating can serve you as like this nice channel to. That, like to direct that energy and to explore and to learn and to fight and to get that energy going. And on the days where you feel maybe more mellow, you would uh, let it kind of just carry you and uh, soothe you. So, um, yeah, just uh, bef- kind of befriending the activity. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I agree. So thank you so much for your time, Valeria. And it's been really lovely speaking Mm. to you and just digging into a little bit more about your journey and confidence building today. And I'm super excited Mm. to come back to your camp in November for a full week. I'm very, very excited Mm. this time. So great to see you there. It's mutual. And uh, I, I feel like just what you're doing is such a beautiful representation of the things that we've been talking, you know, of like picking it up, taking your initiative, learning as you go. I'm so, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm very kind of t- touched to be, um, to be a part of it. So yeah, th- thank you. And also best of luck with this beautiful beginning. So that was my conversation with Valeria. And what struck me most was her description of how she feels when she is riding what ultimately can be described as flow. If you enjoyed this conversation, please like, review and share with your friends. We have a big vision for bored women and we want you to be part of it. So check out our upcoming events and how you can get involved at Bored Women on Instagram and boredwomen.co. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with another inspiring guest.